Welcome to the Northwood Baptist Church Podcast. I'm Tommy Metter, lead pastor of Northwood Baptist Church in North Charleston, South Carolina. Hey, if you're listening today, I know exactly what you need. You need hope and encouragement. And my prayer is that the message you are about to hear will help you find hope and encouragement in a relationship with Jesus Christ. If you'd like to learn more about our church, visit our website, northwoodbaptist.com, or follow us on Facebook. Now, get ready for a message that will help you connect faith to life. All right, take your Bibles and turn back to the book of Genesis. We're in Genesis chapter 35 this morning. Genesis chapter 35, in just a moment, I'm going to read to you verses 9 through 15. Genesis chapter 35, verses 9 through 15. We're actually going to look at verses 1 through 15, but I want to read to you in a moment verses 9 through 15. If you don't own a Bible, that's okay, because in the seat before you down in the book rack, you should find a copy of the Bible. Pick that copy up uh, and, and find Genesis 35 with us. If you don't own a Bible, take that Bible home with you. Read it and learn about the God who loves you and desires a relationship with you. Genesis chapter 35, verses 9 through 15. Very first book in the Bible. As we continue our long journey through the book of Genesis, I I, I, I hope that this has been an encouragement to you as we've walked through this book together over the past several months. And um, I'm, I'm looking forward to uh, what's going to come next in the book of Genesis. This is really an interesting story after we get through the story of Jacob. But what we like to do at Northwood is we like to walk through books of the Bible because we believe the Bible is God's word and that God speaks to us through his word. And so we think it's very valuable for us as a faith family uh, just to spend an extended amount of time in books like this to learn about all that God uh, has for us and how he wants to work in our lives. So Genesis 35 is where we are spending our time together this morning. Uh, so, so I know that for you, uh, many of you, you're gonna be traveling this week and you're going to uh, share a, a Thanksgiving meal with family. And then after Thanksgiving, we're right into the Christmas season. And if you're like me and you have, have kids, uh, they're already making their Christmas plans. They're, they're thinking about their Christmas list and all those kinds of things. In fact, yesterday uh, I took uh, Luke and Hudson fishing in our neighborhood and we took one of the neighbor kids with us and we were, we were walking and, and uh, the, the neighbor kid, he said, on my Christmas list, I have 57 items on my Christmas list. That's an ambitious Christmas list, right? And Luke said, well, I've got five on mine. Like, that's, a, that's my boy, right? Five, that's good. Let's stay there. And so they're, they're working on their Christmas list. Hudson, is, Hudson has worked on his Christmas list. In fact, I don't know, about uh, a, a, several weeks ago, he went ahead and gave me his Christmas list. And, and there's some different things on there that he wants. And, and one of the things that he wants for Christmas that I thought was kind of interesting and a little bit surprising is, is Hudson wants a flip phone. Because what second grader doesn't want a flip phone, right? You know, not an iPhone, not the latest Samsung phone or anything like that, but a, a flip phone, like the kind you got back in the 1940s, the, the flip, flip phone, right? The one you, you know, had the big old antenna and you had to rotary dial it, all those kinds of things, a flip phone. I'm like, I don't even know if they make those anymore. Like that's, that's ancient technology and, and all those kinds of things. And, and I'm like, Hudson, you, you're what are you going to do with a flip phone? Like, like, who are you going to call? I mean, I mean, you're second grade. Nobody calls second graders. I mean, what, 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 who are you going to call with a flip phone? He's like, well, so we can call mommy and daddy. I'm like, well, I, I guess you're getting a flip phone, right? So, 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 but I'm thankful that, you know, he wants to stay in touch with mom and dad. He, he doesn't want to miss an opportunity to talk to mom and dad. He doesn't want to miss our call. Here we are in Genesis chapter 35. And God comes calling for Jacob yet again. And Jacob, this time, he's not going to miss the call. This is an interesting story. 
Because this morning, as we look at this passage of Scripture, here's what I know, that God is calling some of us. And, and I don't want you this morning to miss his call. And I'll tell you what he's calling you from. And, and maybe you didn't even know this when you walked in, that this was happening in your life. God is calling you from a life of drifting from him. Because think about Jacob's life, because you know like I do that, 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 that we can relate to Jacob's life, that in a lot of ways what happens in his life, I mean, it happens in our lives as well. And, and if you think about Jacob's life, it, it, is a, it is a life of drifting. God has come to Jacob a couple of times now and, and spoken very clearly to Jacob. And, and Jacob has, has believed God and even walked with God in some ways. But, but, it, but it always seems like, like Jacob is drifting away from God. And, 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 and be, be honest with me, you know this to be true of you. I know this to be true of me. We are a people, are we not, that, that constantly find ourselves drifting in our relationship with God. But what's so good about Genesis chapter 35, I mean, we are here in chapter 35, and this in a lot of ways is is summing up Jacob's story. We're gonna hear about Jacob more in the rest of the book of Genesis, but but Jacob is going to become in some ways uh, a minor character from this point on. The story is gonna focus more on on, uh, Jacob's sons and particularly uh, the story of Joseph, but we'll get to that in the next few weeks. So, So Jacob's this story here, it is in some ways ending up in Genesis chapter 35. And, and what I, I love about Jacob's story is Jacob's story, it starts with grace. You remember? God came to his mama and said, I'm, I'm choosing Jacob. Grace. And his life is saturated with grace because Jacob messes up a lot. We've seen that. But God doesn't give up on him. And here we are in Genesis chapter 35, and Jacob's story ends with grace. And if you think about it, friend, that's your story too. Your story started with grace. Your story is saturated with grace, and your story is going to end with grace. There is grace for the drifter. And in this room this morning, that would describe a lot of us. Drifting. Drifting from our first love. Drifting from the God that called us to himself. And this morning, from this passage, I think God is going to call to you yet again in his grace. And I want you to respond this morning to what he's saying to you. And I want to show you this morning, if you're a drifter, if you've ever drifted, if you're drifting right now in your walk with the Lord, I want to show you some ways that you can overcome your drifting tendencies. So take your Bible, look in Genesis chapter 35 with me, verses 9 through 15. Go ahead and rise to your feet as we honor the reading of God's word together. Genesis chapter 35, verses 9 through 15. Listen to what the Bible says. God appeared to Jacob again after he returned from Paddan Aram. And he blessed him. And God said to him, your name is Jacob. You will no longer be named Jacob, but you will be named Israel. So he named him Israel. God also said to him, I am God Almighty. If you're reading a different translation, maybe you're reading something like the English Standard Version or the New American Standard Version, it says, I am El Shaddai. That might be a a phrase you're familiar with. Be fruitful and multiply. A nation, indeed, an assembly of nations will come from you and and kings will descend from you. I will give to you the land that I gave to Abraham and Isaac. And I will give the land to your future descendants. Then God withdrew from him at the place where he had spoken to him. Jacob set up a marker at the place where he had spoken to him, a stone marker. He poured a drink offering on it and poured oil on it. 
Jacob named the place where God had spoken with him Bethel. Father, thank you for this morning and thank you for time to be together, uh, to hear your voice from your word. And Father, I know that as we spend this time together, uh, that, that uh, we are in a room of drifters. Every one of us at some point in our Christian journey, uh, we've drifted from you. And some of us are drifting even now. And so our, our prayer is this morning that as you speak to us, we respond to your voice. And for those of us who are drifting, we come back to you. We would uh, walk again in your grace. And so, Father, as you speak to us this morning, help us to have hearts that are willing to obey your voice, that are willing to walk in obedience, that are willing to surrender to your will. We love you, Lord, and we thank you this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. You can have a seat. So, so let's just remind ourselves where we were last week. In Genesis chapter 34, we found ourselves in, in, a, in a tragic, tragic, heartbreaking story. Jacob's daughter violated. And Jacob, passive and dismissive, he, he's silent. And then Jacob's sons, they, they take vengeance on the people in, in, in which this man who violated their sister, his people, they lived. And, and Jacob's sons, Dinah's brothers, they slaughter, murder every male in that city of Shechem. A disastrous story, a heartbreaking story. And, and then you come to the, the end of the chapter and in verse 30 of chapter 34, Jacob says to Simeon and Levi, you have brought trouble on me, making me odious to the inhabitants of the land. And so here we are at the end of chapter 34 and, and we find Jacob in a scenario where he's been before afraid, right? You remember when he left his mom and dad, he was afraid, afraid that Esau was going to hunt him down and kill him. When he left Laban's house, he left afraid. And now here we are at the end of chapter 34, and Jacob is now afraid again. Uh, because of what his sons had done, he's fearful of the surrounding cities that, that they might come after him and pursue him and kill him. And, and let's just be honest, it, it, it wouldn't be odd if Jacob's story ended in chapter 34. I mean, after all, Jacob has been a sinful man, a rebellious man, and, and he's been passive and dismissive to, to his, his family and, and their sins. I mean, it, it really honestly wouldn't be surprising if this is where the story ended. Jacob dead because of the kind of life that he had chosen to live. But it's not where the story ends. Come on over to chapter 35 and, and, and look at verse one. This is so good. Verse, 30, verse one of chapter 35, God said to Jacob, get up, go to Bethel and settle there. Build an altar there to the God who appeared to you when you fled from your brother Esau. Now, if you remember anything about this story, Bethel was where Jacob was supposed to be in the first place. After he left Laban's house, he was supposed to go back to Bethel. You remember Bethel in Genesis chapter 28 where Jacob had this vision of the ladder with uh, the, 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 the heavenly host ascending and descending on the ladder. This was where Jacob was supposed to return, but he didn't. He stopped and he settled down in Shechem. Now notice here in chapter 35, verse one, God says to Jacob, get up, go to Bethel. And also notice what God does not say because this is really good. God does not come to Jacob in chapter 35 and say to him, Jacob, you kind of made a mess, didn't you? 
Jacob, you see the disaster that's happening around you? That's your fault. Jacob, who do you think you are? Why do you keep rebelling against me? Jacob, man, what's wrong with you? Jacob, you've got all kinds of problems. Why can't you get your act together? No, there's no condemnation here. Uh, there, there's no God coming to Jacob and, and God pointing out all the things wrong that Jacob did and then just hounding Jacob. No, no, what you see in chapter 35, verse one is what? A whole lot of grace. I mean, the story could have and maybe even should have ended in chapter 34. But in chapter 35, God comes back to Jacob yet again and he says to him, Jacob, get up. It's time to go home. Let's go to Bethel. And, and this is what's so amazing because if you, if you think about it, what, what Jacob in some ways is an example of, he's an example of a failure as a father. In chapter 34, he does nothing after Dinah is violated by another man. He stands by as his sons wreak havoc on those people. You remember Genesis chapter 29 when, when his wives, Leah and Rachel, were warring against each other. He does nothing there. I mean, if you think about Jacob's life, in a lot of ways, he seems like a failure as a spiritual leader, a failure as a father, and a failure as a husband. But, 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 but this is so good. Here in Genesis chapter 35, when, when God comes to Jacob this time and says, get up, something happens. Remember, as we've looked at his story, we, we have not seen a point in his story yet where Jacob stands up and he says to his family, enough's enough. We're gonna follow God and do it his way. We have not yet seen that in his story until now. Look at this, this is so good. So Jacob said to his family, verse two, and all who are with him, get rid of the foreign gods that are among you. Purify yourselves and change your clothes. We must get up and go to Bethel. I will build an altar there to the God who answered me in my day of distress. He has been with me everywhere I have gone. Isn't this good? We, we haven't seen Jacob do this yet. Finally, here at the end of his story, he stands up before his family. He says, get rid of them. Get rid of the idols. You, you know, there were idols in, in their family. You remember when, when they left Laban's house uh, back in, in, in Genesis chapter 29 and 30, that, that you remember how um, Rachel stole her father's household idols. And then last week in Genesis chapter 34, when they destroyed all the people there in Shechem, how his sons plundered among the, the Shechemites, they, they took likely the household idols of the people of Shechem. And so, so you have this family that, that Jacob has and, and they're, they're spiritually divided. They, they, they turn to false gods just like everybody else in that culture does. And, and so Jacob finally stands up and says, enough is enough. The God of my father, the God of my grandfather, he has been faithful to me every step of the way. Even when I did not deserve his faithfulness, he's been with me everywhere I've gone. He's been with me. Let's get rid of the idols. Let's purify ourselves. Let's go to Bethel and build an altar to the Lord. You, you, this is so good, my friend, because I, I look out among this room and, and there are many of us who are our fathers trying to spiritually lead our families. And, and the good news for us, right, is that it is never too late to stand up and say, it's time. It's time that we worship the God of all creation. It's time that we put our eyes on him. And it happens. His family follows his leadership. They rise up and they get rid of the idols and they, they begin to walk with Jacob towards Bethel. 
And, and look, this is so good. You come down and you look at what it says in, in verse five, 4 and 5. Uh, they gave, verse 4, Jacob all their foreign gods and their earrings, and Jacob hid them under the oak near Shechem. You come to verse 5. When they set out, a terror from God came over the cities around them, and they did not pursue Jacob's sons. Remember back in chapter 28, God promised Jacob that he was going to do what? Protect him. Everywhere he went, he was going to protect him. And now as Jacob is yet again fearful that he might lose his life at the hands of his enemies, God yet again protects him. This is so good. And what's happened here at this point in the story, at the end of Jacob's story, God extends much grace and Jacob responds to that grace by doing what? Repenting. Choosing to repent. Now, my friend, I hope you see this because it's so good. And I, I want to show you this, this first way. If you find yourself like me in those seasons sometimes of, of drifting from God, I want you to, to know this. Realize you have drifted and choose to repent. This morning, you can realize, you can come to the understanding that you are not where you need to be in your walk with the Lord and you can choose to repent. And so, so just three questions I want you to think through before we continue in this story. Three questions. One, if you find yourself this morning drifting in your walk with the Lord, first question is, what caused it? What causes you to drift in your relationship with the Lord? And you know, this is a very simple answer. Neglect. You drift in your relationship with God when you neglect his word, when you don't do what he says. You drift in your relationship with God when you don't listen to his voice. You drift in your relationship with God when you don't give him the attention that he is worthy of in your life. You drift in your relationship with God when you stop being engaged in the body of Christ. You drift in your relationship with God when you stop doing the spiritual disciplines. You drift when you neglect. And you know this like I know this. In every area of life, when you neglect things that are important, it's costly. For example, when you neglect to eat wisely, it's costly to your health. When you neglect to exercise, it's costly to your health. When you neglect to get the proper amount of sleep at night, it's costly to your health. When you neglect to do things that you know are important, right, it is costly. And when you neglect walking with the Lord, it is costly. And we see that in Jacob's life. It has cost him during his seasons of drifting. I read an interesting story this week because, because you know, I, I, there's probably some of us in this room that we struggle to get enough sleep at night. I mean, life is busy and we're going a million different directions and we work late. We, we have responsibilities with the family and sometimes we just crawl in the bed real late and have to get up early. And some of us live in this perpetual state of, of being tired. So in Japan, uh, that their culture is very much driven by success and, 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 and getting ahead and all those kinds of things. And so in Japan, you know, a lot of the people there, they, they don't get the, the amount of sleep that they need to get. They're, they're going to school and they're living busy lives, just much like we are. And so, so in Japan, public transporta- transportation is a, a much bigger deal than it is here. I mean, to go to work, you get on the bus or the train or the, the subway or whatever the case may be. And so what's happened over the years in Japan, uh, since people are not getting enough sleep in their homes in the evening, as soon as they get on that public transportation, they're falling asleep. And so what's happened is that their brains, now watch this, their brains have been conditioned to sleep when they get on public transportation. So somebody capitalized on this. This is really good. Just a few weeks ago, somebody had the bright idea to offer a bus ride for sleep. You can pay to get on a five-hour bus ride to sleep. $50 a person 
for five hours of sleeping on a bus. And you know what's happened? This thing has sold out over and over and over again. Because people in Japan, right, in this particular area, they've neglected sleep so much that the only place they can find sleep is on a bus. And so they're paying to sleep on a bus. Isn't that wild? All that to say, it, it, is, it, is, it is disastrous when you choose to neglect, right? And so, so, so the reason why you've drifted in your relationship with God is because you've chosen to neglect, right? So, so but here's another question. Why do I keep drifting? So, so you, you drift because you neglect, but why do you keep drifting? Why do you have a hard time coming back into right relationship with God? Why do you have a hard time stopping the drift? I'll tell you why. There's probably lots of reasons, but I'll tell you a primary reason why. You ready? Pride. It's that simple. You and I don't want to admit sometimes that we have drifted. We don't want to admit to God or to ourselves or to each other that we've gotten off track. And so we put on uh, this exterior hypocrisy showing people or at least trying to show people that we're all right. Everything's good. When you know that couldn't be further than the truth. You see, the reason why we keep drifting is because of this pride within ourselves. We don't want to admit that we've gotten off track, right? And so then the question is, how do you stop it? What do you do to stop the drifting? What you do to stop drifting is the thing that Jacob does in this passage. You repent. That's it. And I know here we are on a Sunday morning in a church like this, and, and you've heard the word repent over and over and over and over again. But let me just tell you, right? Let me just tell you, a refusal to repent will keep you in a state of drifting. A refusal to come before God and say, okay, God, I, I have messed this up. I've drifted from you and, and, and I, I repent of that and I want to get back on track. A failure to do that will keep you in a state of drifting. Do you know this? When you and I think about the word repentance, we think about what? A change of direction. Stop going one way and start going another way. So we think about. But did you know, it's in the language of the Bible, that repentance starts in the mind? Because in the, the language of the Bible, that, that word repentance, it really does mean a change of mind. That I, I'm changing the way I think about God. I'm changing the way I think about what he wants from me because I change the way I think that's gonna affect what I do, right? If I change the way I think with the help of the Spirit, it's gonna affect the actions that I take in my life. And so repentance, it really is a change of mind that leads to a change of action. And what needs to happen for many of us to stop the drift is real, genuine repentance. We come before God and we get specific. God, this is where I've gotten off track. This is where I've strayed. These are the sins that I am committing that are hindering my walk with you. Do you see? For some of us, and I know you've heard this a million times, what you need this morning is to realize that you've drifted, drifted and you need to repent, right? But, but let me show you what happens in the story because Jacob does this. He's neglected, right? He's even been prideful. But he comes now to a point of repentance and he makes his way back to Bethel. And look what happens. You come down to verse nine. God appeared to Jacob again after he returned from Paddan Maram and he blessed him. God said to him, your name is Jacob. You will no longer be named Jacob, but your name will be Israel. So he named him Israel. God also said to him, I am God Almighty. Be fruitful and multiply. A nation, indeed an assembly of nations will come from you and kings will descend from you. I will give to you the land that I gave to Abraham and Isaac and I will give the land to your future descendants. Then God withdrew from him at that place where he had spoken to him. All right, so for many of you, you've been here every Sunday. 
And you've walked with me through the story of Jacob. Now, now, again, think about what we just read. Do you know what God does not tell Jacob in this passage, with the exception of one thing? He doesn't tell Jacob anything new. You understand? Like, this is not anything that Jacob has not heard before. You think about this promise to um, uh, have land and descendants. I mean, God's told him that several times. Remember Genesis chapter 28, he told him that there at Bethel before. And so God brings Jacob back to Bethel and he tells Jacob at Bethel. Now watch this, I want you to hear this. He tells Jacob the exact same thing that he had already told him. And look, look, he says, so he named him Israel. God says, your name is Jacob, but you will no longer be named Jacob. Your name will be Israel. We've heard that before. God just told Jacob that. God told Jacob that back in Genesis chapter 32, where he changed his name. Nothing new here, right? The only thing new, if you will, is in verse 11. An assembly of nations will come from you and kings will descend from you. God had not told Jacob that before, but he had told Abraham that, right? His grandfather back in Genesis chapter 17. So if you think about it here in Genesis chapter 35, when God brings Jacob back to Bethel, God tells Jacob absolutely nothing that's new. And this is good because nothing has changed. Are you following me? In God's grace, God has brought Jacob back to Bethel and he reaffirms to Jacob what he's already told him. Your mess, the sin you've committed, it does not change what I am going to do in your life. He hears the same thing again. Now, now tell you that and tell you this. Do you know what you need this morning? I know you might not even believe this, but you know what you need this morning? You need to hear from God the same thing you've already heard, right? I mean, you think about this, this, this second way that we overcome our drifting ways is to remember what you know to be true. You need to hear this morning the same thing that you've already heard. You need to, you need to hear who God is this morning. You need to hear yet again, and you've heard a million trillion times, right? You need to hear that God loves you. You need to hear that he's faithful. You need to hear about his promises. You need to hear who you are again, that you are a sinner separated by God, but God loved you so much that he gave his son Jesus for you, who died and rose again for you. You need to hear that because of faith in Christ Jesus, you are a child of God, recipient of his promises, forever saved. You need to hear that again. And you also need to hear God's plan for your life again, that God has saved you for a purpose. And that purpose is to live out his great commission, to go into the world and make disciples of all nations. You need to hear that again. You see, when you come and you gather in this place with a body of believers, you know what? You need to hear the same thing that you heard last Sunday and the Sunday before and the Sunday before. And, and you know what you do here at church? This is really amazing. It amazes me anyway. You pay me every week to tell you the same thing over and over again. <laughs> Isn't that good? I'm very thankful for that, right? <laughs> but just think about it. You need the same stuff every single week. You think about what's going to happen this week. You're going to go and you're going to meet with family and, and you're going to have a Thanksgiving meal. And you probably did that last year. And you probably did it the year before, didn't you? And you know what you're going to do at that Thanksgiving meal? You're going to sit around a table and you know what you're going to eat? How many of you are going to have turkey for Thanksgiving? The vast majority are you going to sit around and have turkey and, and dressing and, and green beans, which I don't even know. That, what? Green beans, that's just a, 
I don't know why we cook green beans, but that's another story for another day. But, 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 but think about it. You're going to gather with family and you're going to sit around the table and you're going to eat a turkey meal with your family. And here's the truth. And, 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 and if, if, you, if you say otherwise, you're not being honest. But, but here's the truth, right? Just, just be honest with me, right? Be honest. Be real honest. Come in close. Be real honest with me. None of us like turkey. Uh, come on now. Be honest with me. It's dry. It doesn't have much flavor. We try to make it better. We'll try to deep fry it or smoke it, but that doesn't really help a whole lot. None of us like turkey, but yet every single year we'll gather around a table and eat something we don't like, right? I mean, come on now, just be honest with me. We would much prefer on Thanksgiving day to have just T-bones, you know, or brisket. Or, or, I mean, there, there are, are, are millions of other meats we could eat on Thanksgiving day. Deer, whatever, I don't know. Anything's better than turkey, right? But, but yet you're gonna sit around a table and you're gonna eat turkey. We're gonna gather with our family and we're gonna eat something we don't like. And we, we do it every single year. But, but, but here's reality, think about this. Think about this, right? There's something about it. I'm gonna eat turkey that I don't like on Thanksgiving day with a smile on my face. And you will too. Why? Because there's something about that stinking turkey that brings us together. You know, it's the same thing every single year. A dry bird that unites us around the table and brings us together as a family. We can just spend a little bit of time together reflecting on how good God is to us as a family. There's something significant about that bad tasting turkey, right? We need it. Much as I don't like it, I need it every year, right? And so do you. But think about it. I mean, in September, when you have your family over for whatever, you don't ask for turkey then. I mean, turkey, we, we eat it only at Thanksgiving, right? Nobody ever says, man, I, I would love a turkey meal right now. Nobody does that. But at Thanksgiving, we crave it because of what it means to us, you see. I'll tell you that, I'll tell you this. What you need every week is to gather in this room with brothers and sisters. And, and what we offer you in this room is something far, far eternally better than Turkey. The words of life in Jesus Christ, our Lord. And, and I know, right, when you come to this room on Sundays, what, what you probably in some ways are thinking, because I think I've thought it before, is, man, I, I wanna hear something new. That preacher, he says the same thing over and over again. He sounds like a broken record, right? But you don't need something new as much as you need to be reminded every single week of what is eternally true. And so let me just for a moment, let me for a moment tell you why you need to hear the same things over and over again. One, because you need to gain the right perspective. Do you know what God says to us over and over again? Now think about this, come in close, this is good. You know what God says to us over and over again? Things like this, I love you. I'm faithful to you. I promise you, I'm gonna see you through. I will never leave you nor forsake you. You know what those words are? They are highly relational. Right, think about it in your home. There is no wife in this room that has gone to her husband this last week and said this. Would you stop saying I love you to me? You say it too much. I'm tired of hearing it right? There's no child in this room who's gone to their mother and said, you know what, mom, you encourage me way too much. I'm, I'm tired. Tell, stop telling me that you're proud of me, right? There's, there's no husband in this room who went to his wife this week and said, you know what? You, you encourage me way too much. Would you please just stop it? 
None of you have done that. Why? Because in the context of a relationship, you long to hear those same things over and over again. Amen. I mean, in the context of a relationship, you long to hear your spouse say to you, I love you. In the context of a relationship, you long to hear your parents say to you, I'm proud of you. In the context of a relationship, you long for those same exact words over and over because those words in the context of a relationship, they bring to you much assurance and much joy. The problem is our perspective. When it comes to the things of God, we forget that we're in a relationship with him. We even say things like this. Now follow me. We say things like, it's time for Bible study, which is good. Or we say, I'm going to a, you know, a, a class at my church right now that's teaching me how to do this, you know, how to manage my finances from God's way or, or how to you know, understand the end times or whatever. I'm going to that particular class. Or you know, for some of us, we go to school like I did and we go to seminary to learn about God. And, and, and what it comes is God becomes to us a subject to study. But God is far more than a subject to study. He is a heavenly father who has called us into an intimate relationship with himself. And we need to hear every single week from our God together as a faith family and every day as individuals, God loves us. He's faithful. Don't grow tired of hearing the same thing over and over again. You need to hear it because you need the right perspective that he is your father. You're in a relationship with him. Or think about this. We need to hear the same things over and over again because we're quick to forget right? Or, or because we didn't listen the first time. You know how I know that we're quick to forget and sometimes we didn't listen the first time? Because of the way you live your life and the way I live my life too sometimes. We live our lives in such a way that demonstrate that we don't get it, that, that we don't understand what God says about us because we continue to choose to rebel against him, you see? We are slow to forget the promises of God. Oh, we, are, we are slow to listen. And so we need to hear from him again and again, the same exact things until we get it. And even more after we get it, right? Or think about this. We need time with God to experience the promises of God. Let me explain what I mean by that. God told Jacob in chapter 28, this very same promise. And he told Jacob in Genesis chapter 32, that he was gonna be not Jacob, but Israel. But now time has passed. He's drifted, he's sinned again. Can you imagine after the life experiences that he's had, how assuring for Jacob these words were to hear yet again. And, 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 I, and I tell you that to, to tell you this. Some of you are like me. I am 25 for about the 15th time now, right? And what I'm finding is that the older I get, the more I long to hear the things that I've known all my life over and over again. Do you know why? Because of experience. Because of what I've gone through in my life. Because of what I've seen God do. Because of things that, that I've walked through. The words of God become more precious to me the older and older I get, because the older I get, the more that God, or the more I see how God has proved himself faithful to me over the years. You see? You know what you need, church? In a season of drifting, when you drift away from God, what you need is truth. You need to hear the same things over and over again because you have a heavenly father who wants to every single day just tell you, I love you. I'm faithful to you. I'm gonna bring you through. 
So, so, so for me, listen, this is what it means for you. It's, it's a change of attitude, right? That for, for me to come to a place like this and say, man, it's so boring. The Christian faith is so boring. It's just the same stuff. Do this, don't do that. You know, all the, I'm just so tired of it. There, there's nothing of, of, of life here. Well, yes, there is life here because you have a father who's speaking life into you every time he tells you, I love you. Every time he tells you, I'm gonna be faithful to you. He is constantly, this is not boring to hear the same things over and over again. This is life giving, you see. And so for some of us, it is a change of attitude and saying, God, help me to want to receive your truth, the same truths, the consistent truths, the eternal truths over and over again, you see. When you find yourself in a season of drifting, one, right, you need to realize it and repent. And two, you need to remember the truth of God's word. And finally, and we're done with this, you need to renew your commitment today to live for God's will. Let me show you one more thing and we're done. God gives Jacob these promises that he's already given him. And then you have verse 14. Jacob set up a marker at the place where he had spoken to him, a stone marker. He poured a drink offering on it and poured oil on it. Jacob named the place where God had spoken with him Bethel. Now, this is interesting to me. Do you know why? Well, one, because God told Jacob, right? Things that he had already told him. And now Jacob's response to God is the same response he had in Genesis chapter 28. Do you remember that? When he had that vision of God, Jacob woke up and he took that stone that he slept on and he made it a marker And he said, man, God is in this place. This place is Bethel. And now here we are in Genesis chapter 35 at the end of Jacob's story. And Jacob does the same thing. He doesn't do something new. He doesn't make some kind of new commitment. He just renews the commitment he had made earlier, right? I am here to worship the God who's rescued me and been faithful to me. And he renews his commitment to walk with the Lord. Now, his, his life after this, and again, he's gonna kind of fade into the background as we begin to see the story of his sons. His life is gonna to continue to be some mistakes. There's gonna to continue to be some mistakes. But at least he's starting to get it. Grace upon grace, he's experienced. And he responds in repentance and renewing his walk with the Lord. And I am thankful I am thankful that when I read the book of Genesis, that Jacob's story does not end in chapter 34. I mean, if you think about it, it could have, and maybe even it should have, but it didn't because Jacob served like you serve a God of grace. And I am thankful, I am thankful that if you're in this room this morning as a follower of Jesus and you find yourself drifting from God, and and you're not in your relationship with Jesus where you want to be or where you were five years ago or where you know you need to be, I am thankful that today does not have to be the end of your story as a follower of Jesus. That God is not standing over you with words of condemnation and saying, you've messed up for the last time. I'm done with you. No, instead, God is speaking over you today words of affirmation. He's saying to you, come back. 
Come home. Return to Bethel. Return to me. And today, you have an opportunity to realize that you've drifted, to repent of your drifting, and to say to God, today, I am renewing my commitment to you. Yes, I know I'm going to continue to mess up along the way, but I am going to strive with the help of your spirit to walk by faith, to be the man, the woman that you've called me to be. I'm going to put myself in relationships of accountability with other people. I'm going to be committed to the local church. I'm going to serve as you lead me. I am going to walk with you because you're not done with me. Today can be your day, follower of Jesus, that you repent and you renew. So what's stopping you? Do you like drifting? Because drifting is not going to turn out well for you. But there's a gracious God who says you don't have to. Come back. Well, one more thing and we're done. Go back and look again just one more time. Verse 11. God said to him, I am God Almighty. Be fruitful and multiply. A nation indeed, an assembly of nations will come from you and kings will descend from you. This is the only thing in the passage that's new, at least new to Jacob. God had told this to Abraham. Kings will descend from you. When you read Jacob's story, it doesn't look very kingly. You think about his sons, Simeon and Levi, man, what a mess they are. We're going to look at Judah's story over the next few weeks. We're going to come to Genesis chapter 38. That story is just as bad, if not worse, than the story we read in Genesis chapter 34. It ain't very kingly. His sons don't seem very kingly at all. But in God's wisdom and providence, someday through the lineage of Jacob, God will send a king, a king named Jesus. A king who in a lot of ways is the exact opposite of Jacob. He's not a deceiver. He's not a schemer. He's not a drifter. Instead, he's intentional. He walks intentionally with his father and he fulfills his father's will by going to a cross and dying the death that we deserve, taking the punishment for our sins that we deserve, and then rising from the dead three days later to give us the gift of life abundant and eternal. Jesus is the king that God promises Jacob and Abraham. Jesus is the king who has come to make things right, who has come to restore his creation, who has come to bring us into a relationship with himself. And you might be in this room this morning and you've never met the king of kings and Lord of lords. This king of kings and Lord of lords, Jesus Christ himself invites you into a relationship with you. He wants to speak over you. I love you. I forgive you. My mercies are new every morning in your life. I have a plan for you. I want to, to, to use you for my kingdom. The, the Lord of lords, the king of kings, the is inviting you to embrace him as your savior and your Lord as you repent of your rebellion against God and you turn to him by faith. Today, you can know the king. And so if you're in this room, in the corners of this room are two crosses. And today, if you've never placed your faith in Jesus Christ, never believed that he died for you and rose again to give you life, today's your day to experience salvation to give life to the one who gave his life for you. In the corners of this room, in just a moment as we sing together, uh, there'll be people standing there waiting to receive you and pray with you and help you begin a relationship with Jesus. If you're watching online, you'll see a number come up on the screen in just a moment. I want you to text name Jesus to that number. And, and, and someone real soon will reach out to you and help you begin a relationship with Jesus. If you're in this room this morning and you're a follower of Jesus, man, what an opportunity God has given you now to respond to his grace that you find yourself this morning drifting in your walk with him, what an opportunity right now to come back to him, to repent 
to say, God, change the way I think, change the way I live, change everything about me, bring me into alignment with your will. What an opportunity you have this morning to repent and come home. Father, thank you for this morning, for your amazing grace, your goodness to us, for not giving up on us, for continuing to speak truth into our lives. We love you. Now, Father, for my brothers and sisters in this room who might find themselves drifting, they will return to you this morning. For that person in this room who's never placed his faith or her faith in Jesus Christ, I pray today will be that person's day of salvation. Holy Spirit, have your way. Help us respond to your spirits leading now in faith and obedience and ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. You rise to your feet as a time of invitation together. As God leads you now, you come, you respond to him.